Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who can't wait to come to Chicago to visit me, you know, get some good food, maybe watch some baseball, who knows? His name is Ben O'Brien. How are you doing today? Trevor, I, I think it's no secret, and I'm, I've am i been very open on this podcast, that I am pro-Chicago. It's one of the greatest cities of all time. Um, not that I've been to many major cities in this world, but I can just imagine that Chicago's got to be like top three um, on this planet. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm very excited when, when, uh, we get to, we get to come see you for the first time in a while, Trevor, uh, here later this summer. I'm, I'm very excited. There's a lot to do in Chicago. I'm excited to see what, what you got on the itinerary for us to, uh, to see while we're there. For sure. I mean, it's, it's tough cause there's so much to do and we got to try to fit into a couple of days. So yeah, definitely over the next, you know, I think you guys are probably going to come and I think we figured out early August. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and over the next you know month and a half or so, uh, two months almost, I'll be trying to figure out like you know what spots we need to go to. I think maybe Oshaval. I've I've still never been there, so Oshaval. It's in uh, like the West Loop. They're known for their burgers. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard people say that they have like the best burgers in Chicago. I've heard of them. Yeah, it's very. It's like there's usually long waits. So what we might have to do is potentially go there like early on like a Saturday morning or yeah. something. Uh, yeah. When they first open, because that, yeah, just if not, then you might have to wait. Although, you know, one of the things that I've heard you can do is like you can put your name down and then you can just like walk around. You can walk around, you can maybe go to another uh, bar or restaurant, something like that, while you wait, yeah. whatever it is, two hours uh, to get a seat <laughs> at Oshaval. Because I think the restaurant's relative, it's like it's not super big. Um, yeah. And obviously it's very popular. So. Hey man, I'm all about the experience. I I love Chicago. I don't like their pizza. That's the only knock I have on Chicago. But um, I'm all about it, Trevor. I love everything well, about Chicago. So you don't you, you don't like deep dish because they do have. I, it's not know, that I hate a ton it. of different. I I yeah. like it, and I actually, if you would ask me like five years ago, I would have said it's my favorite. But I don't know. It it's good. It's it's again like and Brandon's talked about this. It's it's almost more like a lasagna than a pizza. It's just so filling. It's almost too much for me. I'd rather have like a thin slice from New York. That's really really big. Um, I like Chicago pizza. I don't I don't love it. I would not say I'm a huge fan of it though. The you only knock on... I have on the on the city, and I hate the Cubs. But other than that, the only knock I have on the city. <laughs> you plan on running a marathon after you eat pizza, Ben? Or something? No, like that? but no. like it's just I don't know, and like. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I'm. I'm like Brandon. I'm kind of a picky eater. So like the massive tomato chunks in there. So and, at some places, I don't love. I'm not a huge fan of that. So, um, yeah. it's just I, I, it's pizza. Like I'll eat pizza, Trevor. If you if you give me pizza, I don't care what it is. I will eat it. But if I'm gonna be a, a food critic over here, I'm just saying I have I have things that I prefer over Chicago style pizza. For sure, I gotcha. Um, so obviously, you know, Brandon is not on the podcast. Uh, he's on a little bit of a trip here. Uh, you know, he's having a good time. He'll be back, I think not next week, but the week after. Um, in the meantime, Ben and I are going to, you know, make some, we're going to have a good podcast here today and we'll have another good one next week. Um, well, the first thing, and we don't have to talk about this for too long, but, uh, you know, the movie Hustle just came out with Adam Sandler. Really, you know, just a really fun movie. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for any listener who hasn't seen the movie. Uh, but Ben, what did you think about this? Did you like it? Yeah, I lo- I loved it, and this I, what I told you before we started recording is if you're a fan of the NBA, just in any aspect, I'm not a diehard NBA fan by any means. I don't have a favorite team necessarily because I don't have a team. But if you're just a fan of even basketball in general, you got to watch it because it has so many cameos and so many people in the basketball world. Not just necessarily the NBA, but everything around basketball. There's so many people to see, and and what I told you earlier, Trevor. What I appreciate the most about it is. They definitely took time and put effort into making it as authentic and as realistic as possible. And we've all seen, you know, sports movies that that clearly have no like feel of whatever whatever the sport they're covering, no feel of how it actually works and what it's like. And this was, you know, a fantastic job by Adam Sandler and, and whoever helped create it, LeBron, I think was in there, to make it as realistic as possible to where it really does feel like this this is like almost like a documentary. Like it feels like it's it's real footage. It feels like this guy is an actual character in the NBA. It feels like this is something that could actually happen. So I, I appreciate the effort that they put into making it as authentic as possible. And it really, it, it, it's a very cool way to portray, you know, a, sto- a story within the NBA. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the, the quality of basketball was very good uh, for sure. Now, some of the plot lines, some of the storylines weren't super realistic no. as it relates to basketball. It's not going to win an Oscar, but it's um, still good. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. 
it was it was just a very you know it's kind of a simple movie it's fun you know if you sit back and you watch it just like you know you're just looking to have a good time and i think that's what it brought there were a lot of uh good cameos you had a lot of different uh nba players who had one-liners i thought kenny smith he had a bigger role kenny smith i thought was fantastic um Wancho, um who you know he's he he's played on like eight different nba teams now the, the main character in this movie um, he was he was very good in this movie. I really enjoyed him, and you know Adam Sandler. There's just something about Adam Sandler that just like I'm, um, you know you can give me a hundred different pitches for a movie, and if you tell me Adam Sandler's in the movie, like I'm probably gonna give it a shot, you know. Yeah, uh, and I'll say this, no Trevor, like, I'm like it, the but, uh, the, and I know you're a big Adam Sandler guy, and I love Adam Sandler, but it was kind of nice because not to offend you, Trevor, but some of his more recent Netflix movies have been terrible. They've been trash. So it was kind of nice to see. A fairly, you know, a, a, a nice, decent Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. Because again, Trevor, I don't know your opinion on some of them, but some of the the Netflix ones, the last five, six years that he's put out there, have not been great, in my opinion. So, um, it was nice to see an Adam Sandler movie where, and again, we're not. This is not a podcast about Adam Sandler or about movies, but he's older now, so it's kind of hard for him to be the guy that he was twenty years ago. But he was he was funny in this movie. I thought he was funny, and you, you kind of saw some vintage Adam Sandler lines in terms of like his anger and his stubbornness um, that you saw in an older movie. So I, I appreciated that from him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There definitely was. Yeah, like there, there are some some of the movies that I'm not like Uncut Gems. I wasn't as big of a fan of necessarily. I actually I know haven't seen that. And I've heard mixed reviews on that, but there, yeah. there's some bad ones. There's some stinkers. Yeah, it's I don't know. It wasn't my favorite. Uh, have you ever watched Murder Mystery, the one with uh, Jennifer Aniston? See, that I one was on Netflix. Did did you like it? I I did. I, like I, I, remember, I actually really liked it. I remember like start. I don't know if I finished it, but I remember not loving it. But okay. I maybe maybe I maybe I didn't give it enough of a chance. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it, but yeah. So it it was a good movie. It's a it's fun. Highly recommend. Uh, but don't don't be going into it expecting like a a great amazing plot. You know, a riveting storyline necessarily. But it's really fun. Um, so yeah. Uh, the main the or the first thing we wanted to get into today, as far as sports, uh, is the Live Golf Tour. Which Ben, I know you you know much more than I do about this, and you know some of the things that are going on with this. So what what is going on with the Live Golf Tour? For anyone listening who hasn't heard about this, um, how would you explain it? Yeah, so it, it it's been a big topic of conversation the, the past week or so. Um, and basically, the easiest way to explain it is this. You have the PGA Tour, right? You have this established golf league um, in the United States. Obviously, they, they take it internationally. They, you know, have, they have a tournament this weekend in Canada, for instance. Um, but it, it's the United States-based golf league where you have you – know, it's the most popular league in the world. It's like the NFL where you have you know, the best players in that sport playing in this league in the United States. Um, and what has happened in the last year and really just the last couple months when, when this, this new tour started is – you have this now competitive league that is really gaining traction in terms of it's not like the XFL or the USFL, right? The NFL is king, and you have these other leagues, but none of the none of the players from the NFL are going to be willing to give up their NFL contract to go play in the USFL that's going on right now. Is that that's safe to say, right, Trevor? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, right? So the difference is this golf tour, this golf league, this Live Golf Tour is international tour. They're, they're going to have events in the U.S. They're going to have events in other parts of the world as well. They are taking some of the best players from the PGA Tour. It's not like the NFL. Like they're taking Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Louis Oosthuizen. All right, they're taking uh, Bryson DeChambeau just signed a contract. They're taking some of the better players from this best golf league in the world, and they're they're having them join their league. So again, my comparison that I gave you earlier, Trevor, when I was explaining this was they're not taking the best players. I mean, I guess. Golf's hard because the best player changes all the time. But it's not like they're taking Tom Brady, okay? They're not taking Tiger Woods. They offered him. I'm pretty sure he said no. They probably offered him a stupid amount of money. But they're taking no- notable players, okay? It'd be like if they're taking Matthew Stafford. Maybe not a f- top five quarterback, but somebody that everyone knows that is still very, very good and will still draw eyes to. They're taking notable players. Um, and the appeal is that you can make a lot more money on this golf on this new golf tour than you can the PGA Tour, okay? Dustin Johnson signed a... It was like four-year, $130 million contract just to play. It doesn't matter if he wins or not. In the PGA Tour, you make money by winning. In this Live Golf Tour, at least to my knowledge, you get money just for being there, at least for some people like DeChambeau, like like Phil Mickelson, like Dustin Johnson. So there's a lot of money there, more guaranteed money. Okay, 
especially in the world of sports and the NFL, right? You got all these talks, talks about guaranteed money. These golfers can get more guaranteed money. It doesn't matter if you win or not. You're getting a pretty fat paycheck from this golf tour. Not to mention that the purses, the amount of money that is handed out to the the finishers in this tournament is bigger as well. Okay, so for instance, yesterday, Charles Schwartzel, former Masters winner, he won this very first tournament in this new golf league. He got $4.7 million, which is way more money than you'll get really in any other PGA Tour event for winning. Okay, especially for it being just you know the first tournament of this league to get $4.7 million to win. That's way more than you're going to get on the PGA Tour if you win today as we're recording on Sunday and whatever tournament is being played there. So the money is such a hot topic there. Um, so it's interesting. It's definitely an inter- interesting thing, and it's 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 something that's always brought up whenever you have a competitor to a a uh, you know stable company or league or whatever is is this going to last? Is it worth the risk? Is Phil Mickelson? Is Dustin Johnson? Is Bryson DeChambeau? Are they making a? Are they going to make a fool of themselves in five years when this golf league doesn't last and they're begging to come back to the PGA Tour and they already burned the bridge? Or is this the future of golf? That's the question, and that's why people are interested in this. Is because this might work out. This might be something that the PGA Tour really has to consider and really has to start making efforts to try to work with. Or is this going to be the XFL that's failed twice now? The the USFL that's already failed once probably fail again, and all these other competitive leagues to like football, for instance, that hasn't really worked out. So a lot of questions, a lot of intrigue. And again, I don't know the hype around it might not last forever, but at least in these first couple events that this tournament is holding, and as they start bringing in more well known players. It's definitely going to raise some eyebrows to, to kind of the, the state of golf, not just in the U.S., but kind of all around the world as you had a, a lot of international players playing in this league as well. Right. Yeah, totally. So a lot of, a lot of good points there, a lot of good information. I think the, the thing that, that I go to when I heard about this first is like, is like the TV aspect of it, the broadcasting aspect mm-hmm. of it. The PGA Tour, obviously... Um, it has all the history for however many years, maybe a hundred, I don't know, a hundred years by now. I don't know how long it's been going on. And then just the fact that like, you know, like the masters, the PGA championship, the open championship, mm-hmm. like all of these big tournaments that are broadcasted on national television and have all of these viewers. And now you have live live golf, which is you said on, on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yep. They're just streaming on YouTube. So, yeah. So just on I, yeah. YouTube. So it's yeah. like, as far as the viewership goes, you're excluding, I mean, again, like, yeah, I don't know, everyone age 40 and up, 45 and up, like, yeah. a lot of these, uh, I think a lot of people that are a little older, I don't think they're going to go on YouTube to seek out Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. <laughs> um, and then you even bring in like, okay, well, there are a lot of younger people that are in the golf for sure. Um, but it's like, are they really... I don't know, and because then you said like, okay, so the contracts they don't necessarily. I, I, it feels like the stakes aren't as high as well because there's I obviously agree. bigger yes. prizes when you win in the PGA Tour, whereas you're just giving contracts now um, yeah. for these guys, and it's not like I, I don't know. I don't know if there are any extra incentives to winning necessarily, but uh, it's definitely not as great as the PGA Tour. So, are the players going to be as invested? Are they going to care as much about winning? So I think from that aspect of like the sport in the uh, the viewer's point of view, or yeah, the viewer's point of view, that's, that's, that was a weird uh, phrase. <laughs> that was. But it's like, why, why are they going to want to go and watch the Live Golf Tour? Like, why would, why would I, and I'm not a huge golf fan, but why would I want to go watch it? Or we have like, uh, like Aaron, right? So like Aaron, he's obviously a really good golfer. He, he's into golf. I don't know. I'd be curious to hear his thoughts and, you know, shout out the AA team podcast. Maybe they'll talk about it, but I'd be yeah. curious to hear if he is like interested at all. But if they're not getting like, I don't know, Dustin Johnson's good for sure. But the PGA tour just has, it has all the stakes. It has the history. Um, it has players that are so invested into winning because they have these incentives. And there's just so many different aspects of it. Of like, why would I want to go, Watch the Live Golf Tour. I don't know. That's that's just it, my opinion. It's definitely a gamble. And again, it's one of those where we don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea how this is going to shake out. This might be very successful. This might be something that we joke about in five years. We have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and it's one of those things where y- you just got to, if you're going to do this, you got to be willing to take the risk. You got to be willing to pay the consequences that might come. Um, obviously, there's a lot of 
you know, risk and reward here. You, you can get a lot more money than you can on the PGA Tour, but it might all be for nothing when you're at, when you're unemployed in three years and you're begging to be back on the, the, the PGA Tour because that's the only, you know, major golf league in the U.S. after after this fold. So um, it's very, very interesting. And like you said, they're definitely taking more of an approach of we want to appeal to younger generations. We want to appeal to 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds. It seems like, like you said, with YouTube, you're not getting 60-year-olds. They're going to watch the Masters on CBS. They're not going to watch the Live Golf Tour Saturday morning on YouTube. So it's definitely different. It's a different approach to golf. And I think the the Live Golf Tours, their thought process and their hope is that this is the direction golf is heading. They're trying to get ahead of the curve, ahead of what the PGA Tour is doing, and try to appeal to these younger generations. So interesting. It's always interesting to kind of see it. somebody takes, like, you know, the PGA Tour and the rules of golf have been very well established for a long time. Somebody take it and just make not a lot of changes, but some changes, um, and see what it's like and see how the reaction is to it. And that's why it's so popular because people are – more than that, maybe they're not interested, but they're curious and they want to see how it's going to play out. Um, so I'm intrigued. I will definitely be keeping up with it, and, and I'm I'm very interested to see how the numbers are and the viewership and what, um, at least from a business standpoint, how sustainable this is compared to the PGA Tour. Um, last question, Trevor. Do you know why it's called the Live Tour? I'm just curious. I, why it's I called the not. Live? L I V. So L I V Roman numerals. That's 54, and the tournaments are 54 holes compared to a four day 72 hole tournament like the PGA Tour. So. Um, I didn't know that. I had to look that up. I had no idea why it was LIV, but it's just Roman numerals. Because whenever I see that, I think of like a Super Bowl, LIV, like I, a Super I, Bowl. Yes. I, so I, it's, I, it's, I it's, that's on purpose. It's Roman numerals for 54 because the tournaments are 54 holes, eight, three 18 day uh, or 18 hole days. So um, okay. that, that's all I have on that. Again, we spent a lot of time. I, I just thought it was interesting. I thought it's been a big topic in, um, in the sports world this week. So I thought we, we should mention it. A hundred percent. A lot of very interesting and it'll be interesting to kind of follow it here. On uh, upcoming weeks, months, years, and so on. Um, so let's get to another sport that we don't often talk about, but uh, the NHL. You know, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. We have two teams remaining: um, the Avalanche, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they are in the finals. Game one is Wednesday, June fifteenth. Uh, so you know, I haven't been following a lot, Ben. I know you've watched, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess my question is first, like, why should I be invested in this series? Like, what, what's the pitch for me, someone who doesn't normally watch hockey, doesn't normally follow this sport? Why, why should I watch? So, that and that's a that's a great question, Trevor. Okay, because again, I'm not. I wouldn't even call myself like a hockey fan. I'm, I'm trying to get into hockey, and Brandon made a pact. There's no way he's not going to listen to. And he might. Eh, he might be listening to this, but. I think Trevor, we both know he's probably not going to last. He probably will not become a huge hockey fan, even though he says he wants to start watching it more. Um, but it's definitely a sport that, as I've watched more of, it's very easy to watch because one, it's very fast paced. Okay, there's you can go. I mean, you could go six, seven minutes without a whistle being blown, which compared to basketball is very refreshing at times because basketball, especially the last, the end of basketball game, can be very, very choppy. Um, so there is a refreshing aspect to that where it, it seems like it flows more. Um, Relatively speaking, it seems like there's also less commercial breaks. Now, yes, you essentially have two half times, you have two intermissions, but there's less commercial breaks. You have media timeouts, but they're not as frequent um, as a, you know, a college basketball or an NBA game is, or even an NFL game is. So it, there's there's less commercial time. There's more actual game time. Um, and then in terms of this actual series and th- these playoffs, this is very intriguing because Trevor, you have one. I mean, you got a you got a potential dynasty over here, okay? I've always been a big believer in a dynasty. A, a two in a row, I wouldn't call it a dynasty, but the Lightning are going for three in a row. If they win three in a row, I would absolutely call that a dynasty. Would you agree? Am I wrong there? Yeah, I think three is probably the mark for a dynasty. I think, like, I it's think, kind of arbitrary. Yeah. I know it's it's a little arbitrary, but I think three is uh, I think three is pretty definitive. I agree. I, th- I think if you get three in a row or three within like five years, like three in a short amount of time, relatively speaking, I think you can call it dynasty. So like the Patriots didn't get three in a row, but they got what, three and four or three and five years or whatever. Um so I think that is one right there. You have the Lightning on the verge of becoming a dynasty. They've won two in a row. They're going for a three-peat. You don't see that in really any sport very often. It's very, very rare to get a three-peat in anything. Um, and on the other side, you have this up-and-coming team, this Colorado Avalanche. Um, I'm not very up-to-date on NHL hockey, but I don't think they've been very relevant recently. I haven't seen them in any Stanley Cup finals in a, in a while. So this kind of this team that um, is this up-and-coming team, they have not – they do not have – recent success um and they've kind of been the best teams all year and in this playoffs and they're very flashy and they're very quick and they're very fun to watch 
Um, it's easy to kind of call the Lightning kind of like the Warriors of the NHL just because they're established. Obviously, you know, they're going for a three-peat. They're going for many. You know, a dynasty, the Warriors, we, we keep talking about their dynasty with the NBA. But I could also say that the Avalanche are kind of like the Warriors, Trevor, and follow me here, where it's kind of like a new style approach to hockey. It's very fast. It's very a lot of shots. They pass the ball, or not the ball, the puck. Yeah, I'm real smart. They pass the puck very, very quick. They, they skate very, very well. It's almost like a more modern and more futuristic approach to hockey. So it's kind of like the Warriors in that, that aspect where you're watching the Avalanche and you're looking and you're like, they are kind of changing the way that hockey is being played. And I think there's going to be teams that are going to start to change their approach to their scouting and the way that they draft to try to fit this new approach of speed, 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 good skaters, get as many shots of as as our uh, shots on the net as possible because that equals more goals and more opportunities to win. So it's definitely a very interesting approach here and very interesting appeal to these to these uh, playoffs in this final where you have established potential dynasty versus this new school futuristic almost approach to hockey. Um, so I'm excited, man. I, I'm excited. I, I've never been a huge hockey fan, but I've always tried to watch at least a little bit of Stanley Cup final because, one, it's an awesome trophy, sweet trophy. It's huge. And, two, hockey is just a cool sport, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. This can be the last thing I say because I've talked a long time. But I really do think that hockey players are some of, if not the most, athletic people on this planet because what they do is already impressive, and then add to that that they do it on a slate of ice is insane to me. I've tried to ice skate, and Trevor, luckily you've never seen me ice skate, but I like to consider myself like a decent athlete. I'm not great at anything, but I feel like I'm not bad at a lot of things. I'm, I will be, Trevor, if you ever see me ice skate, I'd be one of the worst you'd ever see in my life. I'm the type of person where like I'm hanging onto the wall next to like a four-year-old girl. Like that's me. I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm the guy that is literally crawling along the wall, and I'm trying to like, I'm letting kids pass me, like five-year-olds skating for the first time. I'm letting them pass me because I can't, I can't get off the wall, and they're they're learning faster than I am. So the fact that hockey players can do everything that they do with their hand-eye coordination and do it on skates is some of the most impressive things that you'll ever see. Yeah, I feel that. And then just to add, like it seems like the Avalanche have kind of dominated this playoffs. That like they swept their first series, they won in yeah. six in the second, and they just swept the Oilers in the conference finals. Absolutely, absolutely. They, I mean, they were they were an, an early pick from the beginning of these playoffs to win the whole thing. Um, and they've delivered. It's not like you know. It's like it's easy to be like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna win. They're gonna make some noise. But for them to actually do it, like you said, in, in four and then in six and then in four, like it, it they're it's easy to watch them and go, that is a team of destiny. Like it just seems like this is their year. But again, the other side, you got you got the two time defending champions that are willing to stop them. So you got this team firing on all cylinders that really hasn't had a whole lot of adversity in these playoffs. Not to mention, though, on the other side, you have the two-time defending champions looking to become, a, you know, the a modern NHL dynasty and a three-peat that you don't see in any sport really ever. So, a lot of intrigue there for sure. Hmm. Very interesting. I'll have to uh, follow. So that'll be interesting. Uh, game one, Wednesday, June fifteenth of the Stanley Cup Finals will be super interesting. Uh, next up, uh, we have randomly ranked. We have it back. Um, back. And you know, we we were talking about hustle, obviously, before the podcast, and we talked about it at the start of the podcast. So the Randley rank that I think would be great, we, we both agree this would be an awesome topic, the top three best cities for a workout montage in a movie, okay? So, it, you know, this was really tough because, you know, it's not like I've been to every city. Um, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of cities I obviously have not been to. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on, like, the storyline of the movie, depends on the main character, their background, stuff like that. Uh, but, but, Ben, do you want to go first with your top three? Yeah, I can absolutely go first, and and I just want to give you credit, Trevor. This is I think this is a fantastic randomly ranked. Obviously, we don't we don't randomly ranked is kind of like it's kind of like Vince Carter, where it's like I can't believe we're even still doing this. Um, but this was a good. This was a nice little like Vince Carter. Oh, Vince Carter dropped twenty. Oh, we got a good randomly ranked again. I, like we're we're pulling this back out. We thought this was kind of done with, but um, this is a good one, Trevor. So I'll, I'll be happy to go first, and I'll say this is hard because. There's a lot of cities that like I feel like would be good for this, a good workout montage like in a movie, but I'm only going to pick three. Um, so I'll give an honorable mention. I'll give an honorable mention to Chicago. Again, shout out Chicago. You, I mean, you could film any movie there. It'd be good. Chicago's a great city. Trevor, you know that more than anyone. Um, but my number three, it's basic. I know it's basic, Trevor, but you got to hang with me here. I'm going to go Los Angeles, okay? And here's why. For the same reasons that Los Angeles is the movie capital of the world, 
I think is why you can do a great workout montage because you have versatility in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, you can film any movie you want there. That's why it became the movie capital of the world in like the 1920s, okay? You can you got you got a beach, you have a desert, you have suburbs, you have wealthy areas. You have um, middle class areas. You have mountains in the background. You can you can kind of film any movie that you want in Los Angeles and you can kind of portray it to many different geographical climates around the world. Same thing with a workout montage. You can have a lot of different things in a workout montage that's filmed in Los Angeles. You can have, you know, a beach scene. You obviously again, you can go up into the mountains, you can go into the valley, you can go into the desert. You can go into a major US city. There's a lot of different ways that you can film a workout montage in Los Angeles. So I know it's basic, but I do think that that's a great one. My number 2 I'm going to go with Philadelphia, okay? Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, it might be basic because Rocky is kind of the reason why. Rocky is it was the standard for this, and they kind of were the first ones to do this workout montage. But Philadelphia is my number two because it's exactly the opposite of, of Los Angeles. It's an anti-Los Angeles to where it's not perfect weather, all right? It's cold. It's rainy. But it's that's why it's that's why I think it's so great because it's, it's anti-big city. It's anti you know, glitz and glamour. It's it's like a, it's like the most blue ta- blue collar town that you can think of. Like when you think of blue collar, Philadelphia is one of the first cities that you will ever think of. It's very blue collar. Um, so to get a workout montage in Philadelphia is very like you get a very like hardworking vibe, very like like you know life struggle feel to it. So I think Philadelphia is a fantastic um, city to do any sort of workout montage. And obviously Rocky was was the one that showed us all that. But my number one. It's San Francisco, and San Francisco, I think, is one. It's a beautiful city, um, but also kind of like Los Angeles, it has a lot of versatility. To where you have a major city, but you also have great and beautiful landscape around it. And tre- the way I thought about this, Trevor, just to give you like a behind the scenes, is I was thinking about if I have an actor, and I'm not a director, but I'm gonna try to put myself in like a director seat here. If I have an actor, what is the background? What am I putting this actor? What climate am I putting this actor in to make the best film and the best scene? And I think San Francisco has that because, again, they have a major city. They have these beautiful, you know, big hills that you can fill, film an actor running up with these houses on both sides. Obviously, like, you get that climactic shot where they get to the top after a workout and they have they can look over at the mountains and the Golden Gate Bridge and you have Alcatraz, you have a bay, you have an ocean. I think San Francisco, just in terms of the, the, the picture and the shot, if I was a director, I think the background of it and the, the political – or not political, but the geographical climate of it. I think is is such a fantastic place to do a workout montage. Um, so, sorry, Trevor, that was long-winded, but I wanted to explain my reasoning why I put um, those in that order. So um, I'll shut up. I'll let you go. I'm, I'm actually very excited to see what you have. Hopefully you don't have the same three as me, um, but let's hear it, Trevor. I'm actually very excited. I th- again, I think this is a fantastic category. Yeah, I actually, I actually love that explanation there, and you almost convinced me a little bit on San Francisco. Um, I, I was so yeah. hoping you didn't have that one because I was like, I like that one a lot. I was hoping you wouldn't have that one. I, I thought of it, but it didn't ultimately make my top three. But San Francisco, I mean, you got the Golden Gate Bridge, you have uh, the Bay. Like, you know, it's still a pretty good. I mean, it's still a really good sports town. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, it has a lot of good elements to it. Um, I'm gonna start off. My number three is uh, New York City. New York City is my number yes. three. Um, and the way I kind of thought about it is obviously everyone loves an underdog, right? So mm-hmm. I will, I will say that I think my three kind of maybe more so skew toward like an underdog yeah, type of storyline. Um, and New York city is, is very versatile in the sense, as you were talking about LA, San Francisco being versatile, New York city, obviously as well, as well. It's the biggest city, you know, in the world. Um, it has the skyscrapers. It does still have a body of water, which I think that's very important. Like having, yeah, it, it could be a lake or an ocean. I think having a body of water to kind of, you can, you know, you can look out to, you know, uh, they can have a little quick, uh, pan to that stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of different like tough areas in New York. You know, if you're putting it in, you can put it in Manhattan or you can put it in like Brooklyn or the Bronx, Queens. Like there's so much versatility with it. Uh, there's so many different filming locations. You can do it if you're basing it around New York. Uh, and there's a lot of different elements. So New York's a great one. Obviously the history, New York's a great sports town. New York has great sports fans. So like, you know, depending on the sport, there's always going to be, a play here to for the movie if if someone's an up up and coming baseball player they can look to the history of the new york yankees if someone is you know 
uh, a boxer. It can, I think it could probably still work in New York. Uh, but that's my number three. Number two, a little biased pick. I went with Chicago with number two. Obviously, Chicago is another fantastic sports city. Um, they have two baseball teams, you know, a basketball team. Uh, well, well, two basketball teams if you count Chicago Sky, obviously. You got uh, Chicago Bears, you know, a historic football team. And then you have Lake Michigan, which is, again, body of water is great. Um, that works. I also think another theme in my three, all three of mine are cold weather cities. Yes. So yeah. you can have all three of mine are going to be cold weather cities here. Um, so you can have the winter. You can have like, you know, they're running through the snow and uh, stuff like that. And I think Chicago is obviously great for that. It's the windy city. It has the skyscrapers. And I, as I mentioned, it has the Lake Michigan. Um, so it has the body of water element of it as well. Um, and in Chicago, another city that has, you know, a lot of different diversity, has different elements, you know, so you can incorporate the underdog aspect. Um, and number one, um, again, maybe this is just because we've seen it and there's precedence for it, obviously Rocky being the biggest one, but Philadelphia is my number one pick. Um, and, and Hustle was in Philadelphia as well. Philadelphia is so great because, like, the people in Philadelphia, the, the fans, the sports fans in Philly, they really welcome that, like, we are the underdog. We are trying to make it. Like, we are uh, coming, we are starting from, starting from the bottom, you know, as Drake says. So I think Philadelphia is so great for, I think, for, like, the underdog storyline, specifically Philly, Philadelphia is number one. And then you incorporate, this is a training montage, like, Philadelphia has so many, like, streets that are, like, uphill different like uh roadways um you know you have the history of it the city of brotherly love you have like these different historic landmarks like i think yeah like the liberty bell like so there's a lot of history with philly so that's why i put it at number one again like i totally could have put los angeles in my top three i totally could have put san francisco in my top three uh what, what was the other one you said i was said it, philly. Uh, oh, I had philly philly you said philly okay, i had a blue so collar city in there yeah right so I think there's definitely aspects to San Fran and LA as well. And another thing I was even thinking about, like I also love like the like desert workouts. Like it'd be cool mm-hmm. if you, you could even incorporate like a like a Phoenix or maybe a I don't know a San Antonio, like one of those cities yeah. um, down there where you can go to like the middle of nowhere and you can go to like the desert and you, you know you're running in the sand. I think a lot of stuff like that uh, could also be very cool for a workout montage. Absolutely, and yeah, Trevor, you definitely had a theme of more like a like the common man underdog type thing, and I'm just going with like New, uh, not New York, but uh, the L.A. and San Francisco where you have all the celebrities. So definitely a difference there in in terms of our our rankings, and you definitely went with more with like the underdog story, which I think I I like personally more, but I was thinking more from like a director standpoint and like a scenery. But I like the cold weather ones because again, like you can't fake cold weather in LA it's kind of hard to fake like uh like running in the snow in LA and you can do that in all the cities you mentioned which I like a lot right yeah totally so really interesting topic um I'm glad I'm definitely glad we did that one um but up next uh let's get to the NBA finals here um we are tied two to two in the series Ben uh the Warriors won game four they brought it back so the series is two to two going into game five on Monday um this is a super interesting series you know the first three games we didn't really get a super close like game one was a good game for sure but Celtics pulled away a little bit at the end the Warriors you know blew the Celtics out in game two and then um you know the Celtics came back and won in game three but then game four I thought was certainly uh the best game of the series so far um it was interesting for many reasons um the first reason is like, okay, the Celtics are up two to one. They have another game in Boston. Are the Warriors going to be able to pull it out? Like Draymond Green has not been playing super well in the series. He had a horrible game three. Can he bring it back? Can he bring back the defensive intensity? You know, is Steph Curry going to get enough help to win this? Or is Steph Curry just going to go and kind of win the game by himself? You know, or are we just going to see like the Boston Celtics? They're just going to go up three one, and they're you know they're the more well rounded team. They're the up and coming team. They're going to take it. And what we got in Game Four was an incredible performance from Steph Curry. I mean, he had forty three points, uh, ten rebounds in this game. 
uh, pretty efficient. I mean, 14 of 26 from the field, 7 of 14 from three. I mean, he made seven threes and he shot 50% from three. So pretty incredible performance. Pretty, pretty, what is it? What did I, what's the word I just said? I don't know. Pretty incredible performance from Stephen Curry. And I think I was trying to look through, I was like looking at Steph's uh, other really great finals games. He had the game in 2019 that was a loss where he had 47 points against the Raptors. I think they lost the game by like 14 points, but he was really good in that one. Um, I think this one's a little bit better. This one was a win, um, 43 and 10, efficient. And he wasn't, I mean, like he got help from Wiggins. Like Wiggins had a solid game. I had 17 points and 16 rebounds. Wiggins was really solid. Clay was was all right. Um, you know, Jordan Poole had like a good quarter, I guess you could say. But other than that, I mean, Draymond didn't give him much help scoring-wise again. He wasn't that great. He wasn't an offensive threat. And I think and a lot of people make this point. A lot of the a lot of the people that not even just people that love Steph, because again, Steph's he's an all-time great, so it's not that these people are biased, but the gravity of Steph Curry. This is a point that always gets made. The gravity of how he affects defenses, how he influences teammates to be better. That's been huge in this series. And in this game, despite the fact that Draymond Green, you don't really have to guard him because he's not a scoring threat. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, Kevin Looney, he's not necessarily stepping out for threes or anything like that. Stephen Curry is still able to create his own shot. He's still able to get open. Um, and it's and it's nuts. And in this game, he was just hitting very tough threes. He was coming off of screens. Um, you know, the defender, whether it was, uh, I don't know, Marcus Smart or... Whoever it was, Derek White, you know, Jason Tatum, they would go over these screens and it almost looked like Steph Curry got fouled on a couple of these plays and he still got the the, the bucket to go. So it was incredibly impressive. Um, if we think about this in all-time terms, I mean, to me now, like, uh, we, we can go into it, I guess, but I think Steph Curry has to be definitely in the top 20 and you could even make an argument for top 15, but... You know, we'll see how this series ends, but Ben, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, what What are your thoughts about this series? And I don't know. Do you, Do you still stick with your pick uh, at the start of the series? Um, did Did you Did you think the Warriors were going to win? I definitely said Warriors. I don't remember how many games I said, but here I'll say this: I'm I'm still picking the Warriors. I still think the Warriors will win, but the Celtics have played better than I thought they would. And I, I thought the Celtics were a good matchup for the Warriors. I did. I, the, I, the concern was not I – didn't, I didn't think the Celtics – or I'm not saying that I didn't think the Celtics couldn't hang with the Warriors. There's a lot of negatives in that sentence, sentence. But I thought the Celtics could hang. I just thought the Warriors were too much, too much to handle. Um, and at times they have proven that. I don't, again, I don't remember how many games. But I know I don't think I said Warriors in seven. I think I said five or six. Um, and honestly – the more I'm thinking about it, I probably said Warriors in five because I was very high on the Warriors coming in. I still think the Warriors are the better team. I don't even know that. I think they're going to win. I'll say that. Um, but I've been very, very impressed with the Celtics. Um, I mean, I remember texting you after, after game one. I could not believe that the the Celtics won that game. It's very, very hard to beat the Warriors in San Francisco and to do it in the first game of the series when the Warriors had all that rest. Um, and again, that's the issue of rest, rest versus rust. Is it, is it better to rest? Is it better to, be, to come in like the Celtics coming off right after an, another game? So um, that's another question. But I've been very impressed with the Celtics and the way they've played. Um, and obviously we knew the Celtics, their, their defense and their physicality um, ha, has always been their strength in this postseason. But I've always been a, a believer that the Warriors in this new, this new style of play – and what they've done to change the game of basketball can overcome physicality by the Celtics um, down low. And really, the Celtics' physicality down low has been the reason why they've been able to win two games. Um, and yes, it helps, like you said, that Draymond Green has played awful in this series. Clay hasn't been as great as we think that Clay probably should be. Um, and all these other players like, like Jordan Poole and like Andrew Wiggins haven't necessarily done as much as they probably need to do to, to win this series up to this point. But it's still tied 2-2. And I think both teams can make an argument of, like, we're right where we want to be. Like, the Warriors can sit there and go, well, we got best two out of three with two of them at home. Um, and the Celtics can sit there and go, well, we've won two games. We've already won on the road once. Um, we can absolutely win two out of three with two of them being on the road. So I think both teams are confident. Both teams have an argument to where, oh, they think that they – 
can absolutely do this, and they can. And that's why I hope this goes seven. And I, I, if you had to ask me right now, I think it will go seven. Um, but again, moral my the point here and the moral of my story is that this this has been a much more competitive series than I thought, and I was hoping for a competitive one. But I really thought the Warriors were going to be clearly the better team, at least in more instances than what I've seen so far this year or this this series. So um, I'm excited to see how how it wraps up. Obviously, two out of three here down the stretch, but I think it's been very, very interesting. I will say this, though, Trevor, and I'm, I'm on record. It's on the internet forever, but I said that this Warriors team is, is not as easy to hate as the ones in the past. I have now changed my mind. I, I think they're easy, they're easy to hate. Maybe not as easy because they don't have Kevin Durant, but Trevor, and I, I, I want your opinion on this, watching the Warriors in this series, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm, I want the Celtics to win, I have found reasons to hate them again. So what do you think about that, Trevor? Are, do you agree with me, or do you, or have you been kind of a fan of this whole Steph Curry putting the team on his back narrative that the Warriors have kind of been clinging to? Um, no, I, I don't agree. Um, I, I, I really don't care who wins the series. Like I like players from both teams. I just like really watching the adjustments. This is a big, and every series is in the play, once we get to the playoffs, but it's been very huge on adjustments, seeing how this team reacts. Like, okay, the the Celtics are playing like a little drop coverage here. They're playing they're playing a two big lineup, and then they adjust, you know, and then they switch to oh no, we're gonna do more Derek White, maybe a little less uh, two big lineups here. Uh, we're gonna go a little more, more small ball. You know, the Warriors they made their adjustment when they took um, Kevin Looney out of the starting lineup. They inserted Otto Porter. Um, and then late game, game four, they took out Draymond, and then they brought him in. He did a little offense-defense uh, switching with Jordan Poole, like Jordan Poole would play on offense, Draymond would play on defense. So I really have loved the adjustments, and I think um, every year, I, I don't know, I mean, I think every year I become a bigger Steph Curry fan, to be honest with you. Um, and in addition, like, watching Andrew Wiggins, I mean, this is a guy who... I thought was going to be so good. I was like, he's the next Kevin Durant, or he's the next, I don't know, Paul George. Like, he's going to be this type of guy. And, you know, hasn't lived up to it so far, but he's playing pretty well in this finals, I would say. I, th- I mean, I think he's the second-best warrior, uh, like, like straight up. He's Andrew Wiggins is the second-best warrior, I think, uh, in this finals. Um, so it's been really interesting to see him. But then, another, and like, Jordan Poole, I like Jordan Poole. I like Gary Payton. And then on the other side... It's like, I really like Jason Tatum. I've always been a big fan of his. I love Marcus Smart. I wish the Heat could get Marcus Smart. Again, and the Heat have a ton of guys like this, but, you know, I, I'm a Heat fan. I want everyone that's good, you know, obviously. Um, so it'd be good to have Jay, uh, Marcus Smart. And then Jalen Brown. I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan. So I don't, I don't really have a preference. Um, I just want to see an awesome series. And as far as, like, am I sticking with my pick? Like, yes. I had Warriors in seven. I'm sticking with it. Um... I think Steph Curry is going to continue to to play maybe not forty three points, ten rebounds, but he'll still play pretty well. They have the home court, um, and again, I, I still think my original point is still mostly true. That I said, I think I, I don't even know if I said it on this podcast. I might have just tweeted it, but the difference is the late game execution on offense, and I still trust the Warriors to get better shots at the end of the game. If it's a close game, I think the Warriors are better at executing. And it's not just Steph. You still have Klay Thompson that can make a big shot for you. Andrew Wiggins, and I think Andrew Wiggins needs to be more aggressive because I think he's fully capable of scoring 20 to 25 points a game. I really think if he wanted to, if he wanted to be aggressive and drive to the basket and really just kind of, uh, you know, not be a ball hog, but take more shots. I mean, I think Andrew Wiggins can get, you know, 25 points and have a really good game. And I think it could impact winning in a very good way. I, I, I just think Andrew Wiggins has been very impressive. I just want to see him be more aggressive. So with all that being said, I still think the Warriors are going to win. Um, now, that being said, Jason Tatum hasn't had the incredible game yet. He had the 46-point game against Milwaukee. Um, he had one or two really good ones against Miami. He hasn't really had that game yet. So to, to, counterpoint, to bring a counterpoint to myself, that hasn't happened yet. And um, obviously, Boston has a lot of depth. They have Al Horford, they have Derek White, um, and Robert Williams has had a huge impact on this series. So it's going to be super fun, you know, these last few games here. Uh, but I think the Warriors are still going to take it. So I'll say this, Trevor. I agree. I, like I already said, I agree with you. I think the Warriors will take this. But let me give you my reasons why I hate them again. 
Okay, because I, I have, I feel like I have a justified reason as to why I hate them again. A month ago, I did not hate them. I thought they were fun to watch. I, I was not anti-Warriors like I wasn't in 2015 through 19. But I'm anti-Warriors again for multiple reasons. One, we got the 2016 Draymond Green back where he's unbearable because he complains about everything and he fouls everyone on every play. All right, that's one. I hate that. He kind of stinks though. Now he was he was really yeah, well, good. In so here's the thing. He kind of stinks. That's why I think it's it's funny because. I don't know what like he's like broken. I don't know what the deal is. And if you watched him in Game Four, he's like afraid to shoot. Like he would he was passing like open layups because he didn't want to shoot the ball. Um, so I don't know what the deal is with him. But I'm tired of that. I think I, his again like his, his we, we got 2016 Draymond Green with his antics again, and he probably should have been teed up more than he has been. It's just he's annoying. And it, it's almost like he's making it about him, and I I hate it. And I hate it. And I know he's not a bad dude at all. I just I hate the way he plays, and he's one of those guys where if he's on your team, you love him. If you're against him, you hate him. It just bothers me. Two, I like Steph Curry. I've always liked Steph Curry. All right, I like shooters. All right, I'm not. I, I like watching finesse players. I get that. I'd, I'd rather watch Steph Curry play than a, than a big man down low turning around and shooting a, a four footer. But I hate the people explaining, and you know they cannot stop telling me how Steph Curry is carrying his team. Yes, I know. Steph Curry's amazing. Yes, I know. He's probably going to be like a top 10 player when he's done playing in the, in the uh, NBA. But he has good players on his team. Let's not act like he doesn't have good players. They're not playing well, but he has good players. Okay? Even get, get rid of Draymond Green. Whatever. Fine. Get rid of him. You still have Klay Thompson. All right? He's still on your team. Yes, he's not playing great, but you still have Klay Thompson. Not to mention, you still have two dudes that people have been high on, us including, you specifically, Trevor, and Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. Okay, so the idea that Steph Curry has no one on his team is not true, in my opinion. They haven't played well, and Steph Curry has been the only consistent one on that team. But I do think that Steph Curry still has a lot of talent around him. So in Game Four, when when Van Gundy said on the broadcast that this reminds him of the the Cavs teams with LeBron carrying, I'm like, well, one, which which Cavaliers team? Okay, if I'm going to defend my boy LeBron, twenty. 15 or 2016 LeBron sure he had good players he still did a lot but he had good players fine but if you're going to compare Steph Curry to 2018 LeBron that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life because 2018 LeBron had absolute scrubs on that team okay so the idea that (laughs) Steph Curry is absolutely carrying his team and yes if the Warriors win he will definitely be finals MVP and he will deserve it 100% but there's still talent on the Warriors so I'm so tired of the Steph Curry narrative about he's the hero and he's putting the team on his back Yes, I understand. He's amazing. He's fun to watch. I like Steph Curry, but I'm tired of the the amount of appreciation that he's getting when I feel like he deserves a lot of it, but maybe not to the extent that the extent that I'm hearing consistently on a daily basis during this series. That's just my opinion. That's just me. You can tell me if I'm wrong, Trevor. Right. I just want to get that out there. Right. Um, I think it's somewhere in between. Like I think it's I think it's game to game basis. I think game four, he kind of it was awesome. Carried him. He it was great. I, yeah, it was fun to watch. Um, yes, I agree. But some of the other ones, like Game Two, I mean, it was a it was a really good team performance. He was great, but he he had you know plenty of help in Game Two when they uh, destroyed the Celtics. So I think it's game to game basis. Um, I think regardless, I think this is I think this is probably the best he's ever played. I really do. Which, Which for me, crazy. when I'm yeah, looking at crazy. yeah, for me, I think he's 33. It might be 33, 34. I don't know. But either way, he's. I already had him, when we did our rankings two years ago, I had him 24th. I think Brandon had him 25th um, in our top 25s. Now, I I kind of, I put him 20th as a placeholder right now. But I, I think he's certainly going to be higher than that after the series, win or lose. Because because here's the thing, like, even if, even if the Warriors don't win, because I think that's what a lot of people do. Like, if Steph Curry, if the Warriors win this, say, okay, so say here's one scenario. The Warriors win it in seven games. Four to three, Steph Curry final finally gets his Finals MVP. Let's say he maintains his averages. I think he's like thirty-four points, six rebounds, four assists, something like that. Let's say he maintains that they win. Then it's gonna be like, all right, Steph Curry is he's a top ten player. He's incredible. He's better than Kevin Durant. Like that's gonna be all in the discourse. And then some people, if they lose, same stats for Steph Curry, but it's four three Celtics. He averages the same points. And then say I don't know Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum's the Finals MVP. Then it's like, oh, Steph Curry still. I, like I just don't I don't like that discourse because there's so many little plays that can determine a game and this series is so close both of these teams are so evenly matched I think I think it's a toss up series that to me the Warriors winning or losing the series isn't really gonna determine where I have staff really I mean like he I mean again it's important how he plays 
if he goes out there and he has five points in game five and they get destroyed, obviously that matters. But if he's consistently scoring 30 points a game, he's playing pretty efficiently, but Draymond Green's dropping the ball or Klay Thompson has a horrible shooting night and they lose the series, Steph Curry's still a top you know, 16, 17 all-time player, I think. I, I completely agree. I mean, and again, I don't know if you noticed, Trevor, but I kind of snuck it in where I said he might be a top 10 player when he's all said and done. That that can be for a different day. But yeah. Steph Curry's been amazing. And, and again, I'm not, I don't want the Warriors to win, but I like Steph Curry. I think he's fun to watch. And I've said this before, but there's nothing, at least to me, more entertaining than watching Steph Curry when he doesn't have the ball. Because, one, usually he's got two, two or three guys on him. And the amount of effort and the work that he does when he doesn't have the ball to try to get the ball – to where he just even has the smallest opportunity to shoot, and usually he'll make it, is so impressive and so incredible. Um, and obviously, you know, Steve Kerr's done a great job. And shout out to the people that say Steve Kerr's not a great coach. I think he's a fantastic coach. Um, the sets that they run, very complex. The way, the creative ways that they find to get him and Clay open, um, I think are insane. And again, stuff that we've never seen before. And, and this is nothing new. This has been a conversation for five, six years. But I really have changed the way that we look at basketball and the way that we look at what a basketball player is and what we're asking for in terms of versatility from a basketball player, being able to guard all five positions because the Warriors, it's hard to guard all five positions when you have a certain type of player. Um, I, I, I've appreciated it, but I still want the Celtics to win. I think the Celtics are more, again, if we're, Trevor, if we're going back to that whole California versus New York type thing, blue collar versus white collar thing, <laughs> the Celtics just feel like more of a, a underdog blue collar common man type team because they're not a dynasty like the Warriors are um so it is what it is it has been a fun series I really do hope it goes seven I think it will go seven we'll see yeah um but it's been very enjoyable um Trevor is there anything else you want to cover in terms of this series before we wrap up for the day no I think it's I think uh that's good it's gonna be a fun last hopefully uh three games and we'll, we'll see who wins next time we're on the podcast um we will likely be talking about the well we will be talking about the winner we we actually might record on monday next week um so as soon as we record that we'll have it put out i think it might be monday and i think that might work out well because game yeah. seven is next sunday night so yeah absolutely that, that will work well we'll have our twitter guy aka trevor uh make sure that we're up to date with in terms of letting you know when we will be releasing um again that's not me that's all trevor but i think we will wrap it up um wrap up this episode for today again thank you all so much for listening we really 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 do appreciate it you're giving us the most valuable thing you have to offer which is your time we do not take that lightly we greatly appreciate um the feedback and the the amount of effort that you guys go into helping us provide you know the best entertainment and the best i guess you could say analysis even though i wouldn't consider what i do analysis on sports topics around the world so we do appreciate that but with that being said thank you all so much for listening and we will see you next time Go Falcons.